Welcome in to the Late Night Radio Podcast. Uh, this week, our headlines include uh, the beginning of the Derek Chauvin trial. What can we expect to happen there? Government releases data on the masks. Is it cosmetic theater? Did the masks do anything? The data indicates that maybe the masks aren't doing much, but more on that later. And finally, the New York State Senate Majority Leader calls on Andrew Cuomo to resign after now six women have come forward with sexual misconduct allegations. What can we learn from Cuomo's mistake here? We'll get to all of this over the course of this episode, but first, Alan, it's good to see you, man. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Drinking some coffee. What kind of coffee are you drinking over there? Uh, I have the Donut Shop uh, Breakfast... Maybe not sure. Just that generic black coffee. Well, I drink black coffee too, but that's bad, man. You just lost. No. I'm sure you just lost respect with many of our many of our tens of listeners. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, listen. We might have a small audience, but they're a faithful audience, and and I truly believe that they look forward to hearing our voices. Yes, but now they're going to be asking you for uh, to upgrade your coffee game, man. That they they might, but uh, look. I, I catch crap if I drink black coffee. Uh, I catch crap if I drink cider. I, I give you a hard time for drinking green tea. There's there's really no winners when it comes to what I we're drinking I was plotting today. my green tea drinking just this morning. I was like, oh, should I make some for the podcast? No, no. I want some for the afternoon. I want some, want some for later. <laughs> <laughs> I like the green tea with, so, with the lemon and the sugar. But what, what you got? So, so your your green tea has like turned into your your treat. Is that what I'm hearing? Is that like your a little bit? I just like it, man. It just tastes good. It gets me all riled up, man. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Justin, you had that baby yet? No, not yet, man. And uh, <laughs> every every passing week, granted, I'm not the one who's having the baby. I'm not the one who's uncomfortable right now. But man, let me tell you, I'm I am feeling bad for my wife. Mm. I can tell that she's struggling. Um, she. Listen, she has a hard time getting comfortable just sitting here watching TV at night. Mm. I don't know how she sleeps. Uh, man, look, I don't know if I, I don't think I'm saying too much. She said she said this the other day. She said when she's like laying in bed at night and she goes to turn over, it's like she has to carry her belly over to the other side because it's like there's just something in there dragging her down, and I just feel terrible. Well, Justin, um, as um, if y'all need any parenting advice, I have I have. This puppy, and uh, I think it's quite uh-huh, quite yeah. similar. Um, right, puppy sometimes thing. keeps us up at night. Some, I have to take him out uh, a few times throughout the night, so pretty much the same as a human. So if you want any advice, mm-hmm. uh, I got you, man. Y'all, y'all just dial me up. I'll get you. I appreciate I had a, that. I, we have a mutual friend who uh, got a dog and uh, was sort of talking about the dog one time in, some, in front of some other people, and he'd probably laugh at this in the, looking back on it. And he was talking about how... how much the dog was keeping him up at night to a new mom. And I think she was trying to, all she could not to roll her eyes. And I'm sure he'd, get, he'd right. look back and laugh. Now, I've thought about that at times. I've been like, man, this dog taking it out every three hours. But then I'm like, people have right. little humans they do that with. Right. And it's much more stressful. Because like, if my dog, no, I'm not even going to say that. Uh, what I was going to say is if, if something bad happened to my dog on my watch, like um, the, the other day he accidentally actually wet himself kind of in his crate because we left him just a hair too long. It's like, I don't feel nearly as bad as I would if I, if that was a, a human. You know what I mean? So it's just like, what I was trying to say was, there's all the more stress of having a, a little human that you're taking out at right. night. Not taking out, but taking care of at night and all that kind of stuff. 
than there is even with a dog. So, But if you want any parenting advice, I can give you advice. Our dog does like to be held like a little baby for as long as he's small. Um, so he's 13 pounds, uh, something like that. Went to the vet last week. But if you want any, if you want any parenting advice, I got you, man. Are you going to be the uh, the dog dad who your dog is, you know, three years old and you say that he's 36 months? <laughs> 36 months this Christmas. Yeah, he was a, he was born on December 26th. So, yeah. 36 oh, really? Months. Yeah, December 26th. Apparently. I mean, we weren't there, but yeah. Right. That's when they say, that's when they say the little man was born. He's good. He's a good little dog. Uh, so, but I've got all the parenting advice you might need. Uh, just, just uh, dial me up when your dog, when your, uh, I almost said your dog, when your baby's getting fussy. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, there's no substitute for just real world experience and everything that you're learning from this dog. I'm sure I'll be able to apply. You're having a boy, to right? The baby. I will say, yeah, you're, yeah. The way you know, except for your head hair, but everything else about you, your baby might come out as hairy as my dog is right now. You, you got them hairy jeans. <laughs> yeah, like you said, except for on, on Justin. I have head. a question for you. That's, all right, go who ahead. is Derek Chauvin? Derek Chauvin, he is the, depending on your uh, source of information, either the police officer who was on duty when a uh, fella died from a drug overdose, or the horribly racist cop who killed a man. Oh, yeah. So um, so we're getting into the news now, and uh, this is obviously calling back to almost a year ago. It was in May. It was May something. Uh, like May, it was late in May, I think, but or maybe mid-May. But uh, yeah, yeah, up in Minneapolis, Derek Chauvin was the white cop who had his knee on um, uh, George Floyd's neck um, or back of his neck. And, yeah, the autopsy report um, indicates that that George Floyd would have died from the same uh, heart issues like an hour or two later because he was on so many drugs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever you want to get at. That's why, yeah, Jordan, that's why the, Justin made that, that comment about depending on who your news source is. Yeah, so the, the the there were two autopsies done, right? The family had an independent autopsy done, and the uh, I guess the state or the city, whoever had their autopsy, and, and one autopsy said, you know, there's there's no damage to uh, George Floyd's trachea, mm. so it's hard to say that it was Chauvin's fault. And that same autopsy said that he did have a lethal amount of fentanyl in his in his system. And listen, I'm not the guy who's an expert on uh, drugs and stuff. What I do know is fentanyl is not, not a good substance mm. there. Um, but yeah, so we have a situation where he, he did have a lethal amount of, of drugs in his system um, and was complaining about not being able to breathe before Chauvin ever got there. Um, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you here. That gives me some concern when it comes to this trial. Um, I'm scared we're about to see another uh, another series of um, protests that could devolve into riots. Um, I think we're going to see that spring up around the country again if uh, the mob, so to speak, doesn't get the outcome they're looking for in this trial. Um, well, it sounds I, like I'm, I'm a little uh, nervous about that. It sounds like they're already some some of the uh, you you made a point on our on our notes here that one of the jurors. Uh, has already said he's afraid maybe there would be attack on his house. So maybe he himself is, or she, the, the juror, is already kind of, um, although you say he, so we're going to say if he, juror number eight says he's concerned rioters will attack his house uh, if he serves on the jury. Um, like if his name is released, probably mostly yeah. because of where the trial would head. Because um, I know there was some backlash with Breonna Taylor 
uh, with the way that her trial went down. I don't know that there there was some rioting in Louisville, if I remember, but uh, yes. there was some backlash to that. So uh, maybe it sounds like juror number eight's already kind of bracing for impact. Yeah, definitely. And so um, I don't know how much you've kind of stayed plugged into this. Um, from everything I've seen, uh, I've seen the argument that maybe the trials against Chauvin, I mean the 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 charges against uh, Chauvin are maybe a little a little higher than what can be proved. Mm. Um, I think we've got a murder two mm. uh, that they're that they're trying to bring against him. Right. Um, and what I've seen is that the problem with murder. Uh, is that you have to show intent, some kind of yeah intent, right? As opposed to, to like to manslaughter. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so I, I just I, everybody out there um, who was involved in the protest this summer, and I think I'm just going to keep calling them protests for now because I know there are people who like this genuinely affected, and um, it really mm-hmm. hurt them to see what was going on. Um, I, I'll be honest; it it impacted me when it was happening. Right. Um, but I think the people who are who are genuinely of the belief that this is a murder issue, if if they can't prove that murder and it's not if if the if he's found not guilty, um, man, I'm just I'm I'm concerned. Yeah, no, um, a lot of these um, race related issues because of the 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 way that we are, the history of our country, um, the history of a lot of white people, guys that look like you and me. Um, uh, people automatically jump to race, um, race caused this event. Um, I think you can get into some, um, bearing false witness. You can get into some, uh, slandering. Um, so, so you, you lie about somebody cause, or you bear false witness about them. If you just declare that they are a racist, uh, you, you can definitely get into that realm and you can slander them by calling them a racist for sure. Which, which I'm not just using those words. I mean, bears false witness. Like obviously I'm drawing, I'm drawing to, um, the standards that God has for us. So yep. that's just a warning for Christians because I'm sure it's mostly Christians that listen to us. Um, we should guard against this. I mean, that's a sin. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Certainly it's one of God's righteous statutes, righteous rules. We should not bear false witness against one another. Um, it is actually doing justice to, I'm going to say this, it's actually doing justice to Derek Chauvin not to jump on the race train to wait until you can actually prove that. I remember, and I don't think this story went anywhere, but I remember uh, a few weeks after the day in question, somebody who worked with like worked at a nightclub with Derek Chauvin in the past, or at least claimed to, said that he saw Derek Chauvin do some racist stuff at the nightclub. Now, that didn't go anywhere, which leads me to believe it wasn't all that credible. Uh, yeah. I don't know why it didn't go anywhere, but I saw it on a small news network, and it didn't really go anywhere. But... Um, that's the whole bringing two or more witnesses to a case. You know, God says um, everybody deserves their day in court and evidence has to be proven on the account of two or more witnesses. You start having that kind of stuff come forward, then we can sit there and say, okay, clearly this was race-related. Clearly he did not like the cut of um, George Floyd's jib, you know, the look of his skin. Um, but I'm actually going to just call Christians to, to give grace to an image bearer and not bear false witness about them. Let the evidence come forth. And that's what you're getting at. You can't necessarily prove that this was race-related or that his intent was to murder George Floyd. It's absolutely malpractice. I mean, conservatives uh, were saying that from the jump, that this was malpractice. You, yeah. you never put somebody on their chest on the ground, for one, because they can actually suffocate that way. And then you would certainly never put your knee on their neck. So it's definitely malpractice 
uh, malpractice or, or manslaughter from that's what I would say from my perspective but but friends we have to um, actually do some honor and justice towards the person in question here Derek Chauvin and not just immediately assume it's racism do you, you follow what I'm saying am I saying anything yeah. out of line no I, I think you're I think you're exactly right hey I have a I have a question for you and this just occurred to me this is not something we've talked about before do you think that it does injustice to George Floyd to assume that he was murdered because of the color of his skin. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know if it doesn't. Jo- I mean, it definitely kind of. Um, it can kind of put the case into a box, maybe um, into like yeah. a racism box. But what do you mean? I, I guess that maybe you're thinking I mean, along so, those lines. Yeah. So, so my thought is, um, you know, we've we've got a situation where a guy died. Um, if his death was not the the cause of racism. Um, are we essentially at a point where his death is being used to, to forward a cause? Mm-hmm. Um, and is that, is that true justice to him? Now, listen, uh, I don't think anybody could argue that, um, he's, he has received a lot of attention. Um, he was, um, I don't want to make this the, the point of our discussion, but, um, he was, he was honored greatly in his death mm-hmm. by, um, you know, the, the folks who would have, who, who are taking that side, right? Um, so I, I guess my thing, though, is uh, even though it, it fits a narrative, if they're, if they're taking his death and using it for their gain, um, I, I feel like that's injustice to him as well. Well, I think you have um, a lot of hurting people. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, all, um, every, every millions of every single black person, uh, African-American person in the country is hurting the same on race issues, but you do have a lot of hurting people. You do have a lot of people that look at that and have some hurting issues. I just want every believer to realize that we're held to a, we're held to a different standard. We're actually held to give, um, you know, have, have a day in court before we just assume racism. And then if we can have a day in court, if we can prove on the account of, of, of many witnesses and intent and electronic witness, I mean, like, you know, look at Derek Chauvin. I mean, has Derek Chauvin ever said anything? And I'm not, has he ever said anything racist, like, um, on the electronic witness, like on the iPhone, on the email chains, on social media? That's, that's certainly a witness in today's day and age. Uh, but we shouldn't just, um, convict him on, um, the account of what we think happened. You know, uh, I think that's probably a danger in this, which leads us into the question that we had with this kind of case was what sentence should he deserve? And I think we hit on it. I think he should be charged with, I guess, manslaughter something. Um, that's my way of saying like, uh, unintentional death or, uh, you you get what I'm saying? Um, like, uh, non-intent didn't, didn't mean to kill him. wasn't going out there today, that day hunting, hunting for sport or anything like that, he certainly should be charged. Right. I think, uh, and I don't know if they have already, I'm sure it'll come up in this trial. I think the four other officers or the three other officers that were watching him and didn't do anything should be charged with something. Um, maybe not manslaughter, yeah. but uh, should be, I think they were already fired. They shouldn't, certainly should be. You can't be a cop and watch that, that sort of malpractice happen. Um, I think they should all, however, four or five, however many were involved in it, including Derek Chauvin, should be held accountable for what happened that day. Uh, I've just, maybe you and I are on the side of not in exactly the same way as some would call it to be like murder two, like you were talking about. Right, right. So um, my thing in watching that is 
I don't. I honestly don't think that that Derek Chauvin did anything that uh, actually led to George Floyd's uh, death. I really don't believe that. Um, in terms of like him actually being the cause of death, what I do believe is that you have a guy who um, showed zero compassion um, when he showed up on the scene. George Floyd was complaining that he couldn't breathe. Mm. He was acting erratic. Um, now listen, uh, I've I've heard stories about how the two had had run-ins before that Chevin knew who Floyd was. That's that nightclub stuff I was um, talking about. That's that nightclub yeah. stuff I was talking about. Okay, okay. Um, so, uh, but but my thing goes back to the compassion. If you have somebody who the, who you know um, is, it lo- I mean, everything about that scenario looked like a drug overdose. Mm. Um, and he's complaining about not being able to breathe. My question is, where's the, where's the compassion that says, "Hey, let's get this guy some like medical attention." Right. right. Um, now, now on the flip side of that, I've also seen video where they put him in the police car. He said, "I don't want to be in the police car." So they, I think they rolled the windows down. Maybe mm-hmm. then they took him out of the police car. They were trying to to give him what he was asking for too. Um. But there, there has to come a point where the police officers are trained to recognize that someone's in distress. Right. Um, I don't know if he gets to the hospital, if he survives or not. Um, he's also a guy who had health problems and, and stuff like that. I think you're right, though. Um, I think that through um, inaction, not seeking medical uh, care for Floyd, through um, you know holding him down on the ground when he was obviously in distress, I think I think you do have a manslaughter case mm-hmm. there, and and if they if if there's two things that that should happen there, one that should be the charge, two, you know that you have an angry public, you have to um, make the case to the public then like this is why it's going to be manslaughter yeah. and why it's not murder. Well, listen, um, um, there could be some bad stuff that comes out of it if it isn't murder, but like like you were saying, just more protests and more people who. Uh, are really upset because you do have a lot of, um, I think you really do have a lot of hurting people in this situation. And, uh, right. we, you know, I want to help the hurting brothers and sisters in Christ understand right. uh, or, or just help them kind of be, be have compassion on them and try to just get to a point where we can say, yes, I, I understand you're hurting. Uh, listen, I was hurting when I first watched it. I still hurt for yeah. brothers and sisters and, and that situation and, and George Floyd and his family. But we have to treat it like God would want us to treat it. We don't get to make our own rules. Justin, yeah. I see a starting a startling lack of masks on your face, Justin, right yeah. now. No, yeah, no no masks for me, man. Um, in fact, I'm wondering if we're in a situation where we should not be wearing masks at all anymore. We've uh, we've seen a headline this week. Actually, Alan, you're the one that brought it to my attention. I saw it on Facebook. Um, looks like masks, uh, wearing or not wearing the mask, had no real effect on the spread of COVID-19. Yeah, this is tell, from a, tell me about that, Alan. This is from a chart released by YouGov.com. It's a government chart, and it tracks mask usage throughout the pandemic. And you can see in the early part of the pandemic, when um, Dr. Fauci was telling everybody not to buy masks, that mask usage was below like. 50,000, um, you know, folks below like, uh, looks like 10% of like the population, 10% of, um, people were wearing masks and then it slowly increases until July when pretty much every state and city had a mask mandate. Then you can see it creeps up all the way to almost 90% usage over 80% for most of the, most of the summer and this, this fall. 
and it really has no. It, it really appears to have no effect. Uh, the the cases daily daily cases and all that kind of stuff didn't go down. They kind of rose and fell, ebbed and flowed up to the point where this fall daily cases have gone through the roof, and mask mask usage really hasn't gone down. Still, still at about eighty yeah. percent. Yeah. Um, not quite to ninety, but still at about eighty percent. And COVID got worse, or at least the spread of COVID yeah. got worse. Um, so it, it just, I think what it indicates is that the the way that this virus has not been has been spreading is not necessarily by going to the mall and someone breathing on the cash register and then you go or the self checkout and then you go to use the self checkout. Yeah. It appears that the COVID is spreading because somebody gets it from like their college dorm or going over to a friend's house for an apartment. You get it by breathing on things. You get it by sharing the air conditioning for with somebody who has it. And then you go to your house and you spread it to three or four or five people that you live with. Um, And and it spreads that way. It it would seem that the super spreader type idea isn't quite as the way that COVID spreads like it does among houses. And I think that's indicated by the masks stuff that the government themselves released this week or last week, I think is when I first saw it. But uh, yeah, should we to mask or not to mask? Should we wear a mask or should we not wear a mask? I know there's some folks <clears throat> close to you that are double masking yeah. now. That that's yeah. the uh, that that's the word out there. <laughs> I, I just yeah. I just love um, you know Dr. Fauci's been so inconsistent on this. Dr. Fauci's been about as inconsistent and as as anybody on COVID. Uh, been uh, a yeah. lot of leaders and Dr. Fauci's been caught with their pants down, be caught. Uh, at restaurants or not wearing masks. Dr. Dr. Fauci famously said, don't wear a mask. A few months later, he tells everybody to wear a mask. Then he's seen it at a baseball game without a mask on. I don't know. I'm talking, I'm rambling. Justin, what do you make of the no, mask no, you're situation? Good. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Fauci's been inconsistent. Uh, he was no mask, then he was wear a mask, and then uh, he was asked about double masking and said, yeah, I mean, logically that would make sense. I think what you see is it's, it comes down to um, – what is someone's source of information? Uh, so the folks that you mentioned that, that I might be close to, maybe maybe their source of information is a little more left-leaning. Maybe uh, my source of information is a little more right-leaning. Um, so so you, <laughs> you do see, um, I, I think the masks have turned into um, more of a, a commentary on where you're getting your information from. Um, and I think also uh, maybe it's turned into a little bit of uh, virtue signaling, um, you know. Let me let me back up a little bit and tell you where I where I've been on the masks. Obviously, at first I thought, yeah, of course we don't need masks. Then um, I don't think Hannah would mind me sharing this. Um, it got to a point way early on when Hannah was, you know, genuinely uh, I don't want to say scared, but when we left the house, like masks on. We're gonna go to the store. We're gonna wipe down everything we get. Like we're cleaning everything. Um, we're using hand sanitizer. Like if I just get out and pump gas, I've got to get hand sanitizer when I get back in. Mm. Um, so there's, there's some of that inconsistency cause, um, studies show now that maybe the hand sanitizer isn't, isn't there. Let me get back to the masks. Um, did you see when Fauci said a couple weeks ago or maybe a couple months ago at this point to double mask? Well, I saw him on like 60 minutes or something say not to double mask. Yeah, so so somebody asked him, and I think the question caught him off guard. Mm. And his response was, well, if the masks work, then logically right. speaking, a second mask would work that much more. And so then the folks who were pro-mask, like big-time pro-mask, took that 
and said, oh, we, we need to double mask. Like, we, we must double mask. Well, then my question for those people is, why not three? Yeah, yeah. Why well, not also, it's like, how can you trust these jokers if for all this time, if for all this time, all the time they told you not to wear a mask, and then they said do in July, four months after the virus started, six right. months after it came to the U.S., and then now, like... 10, 11 months after the virus had gotten to the U.S., they're like, um, yeah, we uh, we think double masking. How can you trust these jokers? Yeah. How can you trust these right. guys? Well, and, and speaking speaking of that, I mean, if you're paying attention now, they're saying, uh, well, so a couple weeks ago, they were saying, hey, listen, even if you've had the vaccine, you still have to, to wear a mask. You must wear a mask no matter what. If you've had the virus, if you've had the vaccine, masks are still important. Whereas this week, the, the statement's different. The, the statement is, if you uh, take two people, right, one who is high risk, who has had the vaccine, one who is low risk, who has not had the vaccine, those two people can get together without wearing masks. And I think they've let us in on a little secret there. They were never worried about the population as a whole uh, getting the virus. They were worried about the... Um, the at-risk population, and they didn't trust us to worry about them as well. So they enforced this mask mandate, right. and it's led to all kind of craziness. Alan, have you been somewhere where you've been judged for not wearing a mask? Um, Let me ask you that. Well, I pretty much wear my mask. Um, uh-huh. I did go into a coffee shop one time, forgot to put my mask on, and they were like, can you please put that on? Um, I went into the store the other day, forgot to put my mask on, and I just kind of was like, oh, I'm not wearing my mask. Haley really wants me to wear my masks because she does not want people to say something to us. I, I pretty much wear my mask um, reluctantly, certainly, because I've seen a lot of stuff out there that it actually creates sort of a Petri dish on your face. Um, yep. A warm, wet Petri dish for th- all sorts of things to grow on. Um, mm. But regardless, so I've been a little bit like, oh, maybe I shouldn't wear the mask because I might actually get sick from the mask. But regardless, um, yeah, I wear the mask. Uh, no, I can't think of a time that I haven't worn my mask and uh, been judged or anything like that. Do you uh, sometimes not wear the mask? Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> listen, this was this was terrible. We were at a restaurant uh, just last week. Um, it's, it's a restaurant where you don't pay at the table. You mm, yeah, finish yeah. eating and then walk front to pe- walk up front to pay. Um, so a lot of times leaving the restaurant, I just don't think about yeah. it. I don't put my mask back on. Um, so my dad was actually, or my parents were in town. My either my mom or dad, whichever, was actually going to pay. Um, I didn't have my mask on. I was standing at the front of the restaurant, and there are people waiting for their meals that they've called in, people waiting to be seated. They all have masks on. And I realized they're all looking at me. (laughs) And and I'll be honest, I wasn't trying to make a statement by not wearing the mask. I just didn't think. And I looked and realized, oh, no, I'm being judged hardcore right right now. So I just went ahead and walked outside. Um but but no we <laughs> that just kind of points to the situation they're like we we are at a place where um i don't know what i don't want to put thoughts i don't want to speak for those people i guess but it felt like they were looking at me and saying like do you not care about us yeah, yeah, yeah. why are you not wearing a mask and then now when we have this headline coming out that maybe the masks don't matter that much anyway like i alan i honestly think this is a a study in just how much the media can influence yeah. how we see other people. Well, you, and you see that in elections and stuff where the media has a lot of sway, yep. is worth a few points and stuff like that. But yep. you're right. I think your media source and when all the media sources are talking about masking and stuff like that, the majority of people uh, are going to mask. And, 
and such. And uh, listen, if the masks were totally effective, man, I'd be on board. It just seems like nothing really stops the spread except for, um, I mean, except for staying home. But that is somewhat impossible. And even that didn't work because we stayed home and the virus still spread like crazy. So speaking of staying home, speaking of the virus still spreading like crazy, Justin, at this point, we've talked about him so much that I consider him a friend. Although maybe I shouldn't because he seems to be a bad joker. Uh, Justin, our friend Cuomo, man, he's into some hot water this week. The state Senate majority leader, which is Democrat, uh, and Cuomo's a Democrat. It's New York. What could you expect? But the Senate majority leader for the state has called Cuomo to resign. Now, when I wrote this on our paper, on on our notes sheet, it was five allegations. Last night or this morning, a sixth allegation comes in. Justin, yep. this is getting messy. Calls for his resignation. What do you think is going to happen? Um, so, listen, I don't know exactly what the election cycle up there looks like. I don't know when he'd be up for re-election. Um, the last I heard, he had no plans to resign and was actually planning to run for a fourth term. Hmm. Um, listen, I think sometimes people need to know when it's over. Um, I, look, you have six people who are actively uh, coming forward and saying that you, again, not not that it was rape necessarily, but you made them really uncomfortable with with the way that you're like, approaching them in a, in a sexual manner, asking them like sexual questions and stuff. Um, look, I think if you're that person, it's time to step down. Mm-hmm. It's time to say, you know what, maybe I'm just drawing t- attention away from some important issues right now. Well, that's what the majority leader said um, was, this is a quote, Every day there's another account that is drawing away from the business of government. So that's why she's calling him to resign. I think she should be calling him to resign. I believe it's a she as well. But that's why she should be calling. I I think she should be calling him to resign because it sounds like he's a dirty joker. You know what I mean? He's a dirty dog. Yeah. Uh, Not just because he's distracting people. That sounds like kind of um, we need to appease the the, – the allegers, we need to appease the accusers. We need to accuse yeah. the hurting people out there that are that are upset. Um, but it also sounds like sort of a scapegoat to not uh, just yeah. throw a leader of the Democratic Party under the bus. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, I don't know, man. It's an interesting situation. I want to point something out real quick, and this is not necessarily what we're talking about, but uh, I can I could get behind somebody saying that they really want to uh get into the to the business of government uh someone who's an elected uh official saying hey we need to get into the business of government but my question is is this is this more a situation of a person trying to say like hey you need to go away not because we have government stuff to focus on but because you're making us mm, look bad right right yeah i think that's the situation there it sounds yeah it sounds a little bit like uh doesn't want to throw him under the bus and uh, all that kind of stuff. Listen, I've got nothing yeah. more to say about these allegations. This guy seems like a yeah. like he was doing some, some bad stuff, saying some bad yeah. things. I yeah. think this speaks more to a, a warning for us Christians. I know we're gonna, we're going to look into the secular world, and we're actually going to see a warning from this guy's behavior yep. about uh, sort of the plight of men in power, or what could be the plight of men in power, which is twofold: our own men's own lustful hearts, and the adulterous woman, the kind of the Proverbs 5, mm. the lips of an adulterous woman speak honey, but they draw you away and they want to ruin your life, basically. Like, I'm not saying that these women did anything wrong. What I'm trying to say is sometimes you get into that flirty relationship and, it, and not on related to Cuomo, not related to Cuomo, but sometimes men fall for women who 
uh, are into them because of their power, all that sort of stuff. I'm getting into some psychological stuff. I'm not trying to speak to this situation. Sounds like this guy was a was a dirty man. Um, uh, all that kind of. Well, stuff. Well, hey, to, to jump in on that real quick though, like even. If the woman's attracted to a man in power, which, like you said, maybe is not the case for these women. That's not necessarily what was going on. But the man in power gets used to that and thinks he can have whatever he wants. Yeah. Right? It wouldn't surprise me if uh, these six women are not the only six women he ever talked to this way. It wouldn't surprise me if he had some relationships on the sly um, with women he worked with, um, women women who worked under him. It wouldn't surprise me if he had relationships with them. And then, like you were kind of hinting at there... He just expected that to be every woman who worked for him, every young woman who worked yeah. for him who needed yeah. to step up in their career. You yeah. see this all the kind of all, all the time with with men in power, um, and you see this all the time with Christian men in power in business or in power in churches. And it really is the downfall of a lot of men. And the the lustful heart and the adulterous woman is really the downfall for a lot of men. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean that takes us back to the Ravi conversation we had mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Um, that, that situation of being in power and just thinking that whatever, whatever you see is, is attainable. Right. I highly doubt that Robbie's first move of adulterous action was getting these masseuses to do things to him, like abusing them. Right. I highly doubt that because it goes back 30 years of him hooking up with, or messages and stuff, sending up hookups with ladies when he would go speak at conferences, when he would go out of town, he'd have women brought to his hotel rooms. So it's like. You can see how the one leads to the other. How how just uh, yeah. starting to have adultery leads to then abusing women. Yeah. Because you you come power hungry so, and lust hungry. Yeah. So so what we're what we're what we're getting at here is whether it's from the standpoint of a powerful man looking at women in that way, or, or from even from the standpoint of just you, know, you and me, Alan. Uh, we are we are men as well. We're having a conversation right now about sexual fidelity, right? Like. Um, staying true to our spouse, um, not uh, letting um, those those lustful thoughts creep in. And listen, there's this is it's silly to say this. There's even a controversy about you know um, do do men only have lustful thoughts? Is it natural for men to have lustful thoughts, or is that is that a um, that's a conversation in itself. Uh-huh. The conversation we want to have is how do we guard mm. against our own lustful thoughts? So listen, I can, I can only control myself, right? So, so what, what do I need to do mm. to remain true to my wife? Amen. Like, how can you guard your garden? Um, how can yeah. you protect yourself from outside influences, but then also your own heart? Um, I think you see that we've talked about this before. I think you see that in the failure in the garden is Adam evidently wasn't protecting the garden because the the serpent got in. And I think, I think the garden is a real case study for sin in a man's life and sin in a marriage because yeah, the woman sins first, but the man was not on guard for what crept into his marriage, what crept into his garden. I think a lot of times you and me, um, a lot of times women, commit adultery on their husbands because the man yep. was not first looking out for his marriage. He was not first guarding his garden. And yep. likewise, a man commits a sin against his wife and he wasn't looking for the own sin in his life. He wasn't guarding his garden from yep. the serpent that snuck into his heart. Yep. Yep. Hey, hey, listen, so we had, I was able to have a really cool conversation with my pastor this week. Uh, we were talking about some of the stuff, um, you know, that his, his comment was nobody wakes up one day and says like, Hey, today's the day I'm going to have an affair. 
there's something that creeps in like you're talking about. So that, um, what I was able to tell him though, um, and listen, I hope this is, I, I plan to make this the case the for like the rest of my life right. is to show Hannah like how I care about her. But, but check this out. This is what I told him. And, uh, listen, men out there, if you're listening, I'm not saying to do what I'm doing. I'm saying to find a way to take this principle and apply it. Um, I know that there are a million ways that I'm going to mess up in my marriage to Hannah. But what I have, what I have decided is that the little things that I can do every day to kind of, um, affirm my love for her, to show her uh, that I care for her, I'm going to do those things. So for example, um, man, I don't have to be at work until nine o'clock. I could stay in bed until eight. Uh, Hannah leaves at seven o'clock in the morning. So what I do, um, listen, I'm not saying I set an alarm or anything. Hannah, uh, Hannah wakes me up. Um, but at six o'clock in the morning, I come downstairs, I sit, drink coffee, um, just watch the news with my wife, uh, before she leaves at seven o'clock to go to work. When she leaves, um, well, before she leaves, now that it's cold outside, um, I walk outside, I start her car. Um, but then when she goes to leave, I walk out with her, give her a hug, tell her I love her, and then I hope she has a great day. And then I open her door, kiss her, and she gets in the car, right? Um, so that's a that's a very small way that instead of just like saying, hey, I love you, and like hoping she, she understands that, like I am intentional about my love for her. And that's what it takes. That's how we guard our gardens, right? That's how we guard our marriage is intentional acts of love, not just saying I love you and hoping the other person sees that. Amen. Amen. Yeah, practical steps for guarding our garden, as well as just understanding that this this can be the plight of every man um, is the adulterous heart that we have, our lustful heart, and then uh, uh, and then you know the women who might want to help us in that, <laughs> help aid us in our adultery. But guarding your garden begins, uh, like Justin just said, with some practical steps, man. Do the dishes. Like, take the trash yeah. out. Walk your wife to her car. Actually, funny enough, Haley, I walked her to her car this morning, and uh, she said, everybody must be, and we live in an apartment complex at, at a seminary, so everybody around us is, is married and stuff like that. She was like, they must all realize that we're newlyweds because uh, they probably, none of them walk their wives to their car. And she was like, I'm sure that'll stop in a year. And I was like, huh, I guess this is something I need to keep going because uh, this is yeah. what she wants. Yeah, never let that stop, needs to keep Needs to keep happening. If it's not every day, the majority of the days, more often than not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, be, yeah. be that 90-year-old man who's walking his wife to the to the car. <laughs> funny, funny story on that. So uh, my grandparents, um, man, I love my grandparents. Uh, they're in their 80s. And... Uh, they were walking out this was a couple of years ago, but I was with them somewhere and they were walking and they were holding hands and uh, somebody passed by and said, look how sweet they are. Just holding hands <laughs> and still just old and in love. And my, my grandfather, uh, granddaddy, he, he looks over at her and he says, uh, we're just holding each other up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but Hey, listen, if I could take that and make it an application, like dude, hold each other up, right. man. Absolutely. That's, there's some, there's even there's even truth in that. Practical steps to guarding your garden. Justin, as we get into the last little five minutes or so of the show, uh, Alan, uh, every week, Alan's bonus headline of the week, uh, Burger King got all got all uh, patriarchal this week on Twitter, man. Do yourself a favor. Look up Burger King's tweet. I know Justin. I know this was Justin's <laughs> favorite tweet. He's got this one pinned to his uh, yeah. his Twitter account. He screenshotted it. He sent it to his wife. But uh, Burger King tweeted... Yeah. That women, it was International Women's Day this week. 
and they tweeted, "Women belong in the kitchen." And then they went on. Amen. And, they went on in a thread to say that there's like a, the statistics show that women are not cooks uh, in restaurants the same to the same degree that men yeah. are, and that's what they were going for. And it was really some clever marketing because I think a lot of people got drawn yeah. to their Twitter account. But Justin gave a hearty amen to that tweet when he saw it. He 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 screenshotted. He sent it to me. I heard he I heard he sent it to his wife. And uh, Justin, I did, you man. sent that out did. to everybody, didn't you? Everybody you knew, right? I did. Uh, it's actually going to be the focal point of my sermon this Sunday. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> hey, well, just, just kidding. No. On another bonus headline, that uh, I bet that pastor in Missouri really liked that tweet. <laughs> oh, he absolutely did. Of course, he did, man. His uh his wife belongs in the kitchen. Uh, Feeding him as much as as much as she can, and she sure enough better stay sexy for him. Yeah. What what did he say exactly? He said that uh, God made men to be drawn to beautiful women, so women you need to look attractive for your husbands. Yeah, lose weight. He told women wow. to lose weight. He said that that was. He said women gaining weight after they get married is the the main reason uh, marriages fail and all this kind of stuff. But I guess wow. he didn't expect. That. I guess he thought that that would just be a, a rousing message for his audience, and he didn't expect it to go Twitter. To I saw it on Twitter. Uh, so after it went Twitter yeah. famous, and after a few articles were written about it, it looks like he stepped down for a season of like you like you quoted here, seeking professional counseling. So uh, yeah. Burger King and pastors uh, uniting to oppress women. Although Burger <laughs> King, not really, but it was quite humorous, very funny. Hey, uh, hey, listen, it's important to me to clear this up, just in case someone's listening and they were offended. I. I did not screenshot that and send it to my wife. Uh, my wife belongs wherever she wants to be. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. I, I, I'm not oppressing women. I, I, I'd appreciate Justin, Burger King's blink, marketing blink there. Blink twice if someone is in the room making you say this. <laughs> no, I'm just, just Justin is, is not blinking twice on that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The people at home can make their own decision on that. So, uh, Justin, yeah. besides tweets from Burger King that you're liking and favoriting, um, what else are you reading this week? <laughs> <laughs> um, man, I'm I'm reading um, reading a book. Man, this is gonna be the second week in a row I have to look up the title of a book. Um, <laughs> essentially, I don't know if this is the title. It's it's either what if Jesus was serious or what if Jesus meant what he said. Oh, um, oh man. So it's like you want to talk about take the words of Christ serious or something? Yeah, Come on. absolutely. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and make it a. Uh, as I read through that book, I'm going to turn it into a series on Wednesday night for mm-hmm. my uh, for my youth. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. What about you, man? Um, uh, last week, I preached at my church, so I read a lot on the particular passage. I thought about uh, clipping the audio and then putting it on our on our podcast network kind of thing, uh, but I think uh-huh. the audio went in. From what I heard from some folks who watched it on Facebook, the audio went in and out, so unfortunately, I will not do that. Um, but this week, getting back into reading... Some of the good, some of the good stuff I've been reading. I haven't read Lord of the Rings in a while. I need to continue to do that. Every day I'm like, I can't wait to read Lord of the Rings, and then I don't do it. Um, so yep, same. So yeah. So but the other day I was able to take a restful time and finish Wandavision, the TV show. Now I need something else to watch. Um, of course, mm-hmm. I, I want to catch the latest season of Better Call Saul, but I have to buy it on Amazon. So who knows? Who knows? Oh, man, wait, wait for that to hit Netflix, dude. Well, we actually canceled our Netflix the other day. Oh, uh, you did, you just canceled it the other day? Or are you one of those that canceled because of cuties back a couple months no, ago? No, no, no. I canceled. We canceled a no. week or two ago because it was just like okay. there wasn't much on there. They took the office off, obviously, and then there just wasn't much else right. on there that I thought was I wanted to watch. Um, no, if I was going to cancel yeah. for any particular thing, it would have been that it would have been that Netflix or it wasn't a Netflix original, but they had it on Netflix. It was called like the 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 first Temptation of Christ. 
Um, and it was that movie about yeah. how Jesus was gay and he was bringing his gay lover back home to Mary and Joseph um, yeah. for the first time or something like that. If I was going to cancel for any piece of work that was on Netflix, it probably would have been that. Although Cuties yeah. was quite controversial. Yeah. Hey, uh, you mentioned that you preached at your church and maybe that the audio went in and out a little bit so you wouldn't add it here. If someone did want to go find that, though, if we had a listener who thought, man, I want to listen to what Alan had to say. Is there somewhere online they could find that sermon? Yeah, Facebook live or Facebook. We we have the live video still up on our on our Facebook. It's Wakefield Central Baptist Church in Zebulon, North Carolina. Um, you should be able to find that, and then it'll be this latest week's um, up you know video upload. I started about the eighteen minute mark. Um, if you don't want to awesome. sing along with our singing, but I started about the eighteen minutes and twenty two second mark, and uh, it was good. One of my better sermons. I got lots of good feedback. One of my shorter sermons as well. So. Hey, so if you're listening, Alan has told you that A, he thought it was really good, and B, that it was really short. So, I mean, hey, look, go go listen to it and then tell him if, if you agree with him. That's right. Yeah. One day I envision, um, or sometimes I have nightmares about being at a church where they're like, they like time you. Like my, like, uh, my wife's grandmother, one of the churches in her town, the Baptist church in her town, uh, when they were hiring their latest pastor or whatever, they like timed him. And they'll leave at like 30 minutes in his sermon. They'll just get up and start leaving. No. Yeah. Hey, listen, I went to a church. Well, the church that I grew up at, there was a, a older guy who he's he's since passed away. Um, he was my grandparents' friend. He was in their Sunday school class. Great guy. Um, but at 12 o'clock on the dot, he would stand up and walk out of church. Mm. If the pastor was done or not, it might be in the the middle of the sermon. It might be in a song, mm. but at twelve o'clock, he had given his hour to the Lord and he was out. You got to beat the Methodists <laughs> to lunch, man. You got to beat the Methodists hey. to lunch. Amen. Hey. Amen. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, Justin, another another good week. Another well, not good. The news is bad. All the news is bad. Yeah, <laughs> but not to There's, despair. No, nothing good going on in the world. <laughs> not to despair, Christian. We have a responsibility in this world to guard our own gardens. Uh, and therefore yes. in guarding our gardens we go and we disciple the nations and it starts with us and it starts with our kids and it starts with our wives and it starts with our marriages and our, own, our own men our own lustful hearts men our own our own wives wives out there loving your husbands honoring your husbands following their lead and then you go out and disciple the nations and we go out and disciple the nations and that's the only way this whole news thing gets any better in life Hey, and listen, just as you're talking about discipleship, discipleship is an intentional activity. It doesn't just happen. Amen. Like, um, yeah, it, it, we have to be intentional in what we're doing. That's right. You got to do. You got to be intentional about it. You got to make time for it. You got to have intentional. You, you and then in that time, you have to be intentional about how you do it, whether it's with other people or whether it's with your family and all that kind of stuff. It starts in your garden. That's a theme we like to throw around in these parts. It starts in your own garden, and then we go into disciple the nations and we make this news better. We get this news better in life. But until next week, love the Lord Jesus, love God, listen to the Holy Spirit, and love Justin. Have a good week. <laughs>